You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. Good morning, everybody. Some of y'all are still coming too. I am wide awake after being outside for a little while today. Uh, It was a little chilly this morning. I think it was supposed to be about 29 degrees when I was uh, getting started out there. It definitely felt colder, although I'm just probably a wimp. But um, it doesn't take long being in the Word before my heart was warmed up. And I pray the same will be for you this morning. I pray you open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. We will be... uh, looking at a small part of Hebrews. If you know anything about the book of Hebrews, it's really difficult to cover a small area of Hebrews without going into a long diatribe about what's going on in Hebrews all the way through. It's a very in-depth, complicated letter for one of the letters of the New Testament. Of course, the Holy Spirit can lead us through any of that. Today, I'm going to really dial us in. We're going to look at one verse for where we are. We're going to look at it in the context of a couple verses before it, but we're not going to spend a lot of time working on the background. That's part of your homework. Your homework is to always go home and make sure that what I say comes from Scripture, and if it doesn't, you need to jettison that as soon as you walk out the door, as soon as you recognize it. If it does come from Scripture, it's then your turn to go to the Lord and ask what He wants you to do with that truth. So that's going to be your homework assignment is to read Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, and to get that there. As you know, we are in this series called The Way, and we are working through the the ways of Jesus, the way that he lived his life, the way that he has instructed us to live our life, and we are needing to become more and more practiced in the way of Jesus. Uh, We call these that we're talking about over the next few weeks spiritual disciplines. They've been called the ancient ways. Uh, I like to call them spiritual practices, really just life practices. We like to sometimes take the spiritual things and kind of carve that out and say there's like the rest of my life and the spiritual stuff, but really there is no carving it out. We are holistic beings and we are doing all things at once we are in the present we're talking about things in the future we've experienced things in the past that still play in our minds and still move our thoughts we are in the physical world while we also have a foot in the metaphysical as well and so we are talking about spiritual things that encompass all of our lives and we need to be practicing these things that help us to walk in the way of Jesus the way was what the church was called originally because it's about being on a journey with our Lord and Savior. And so I pray that as we go through this series that it will impact you and you will begin to make changes in your life to accommodate these practices that we see Jesus walking in and that we are instructed to walk in as well. Some of them implicitly, most of them explicitly. And today, as we begin our annual week of prayer and fasting, I think it's just apropos that we would talk about prayer, don't you think? A few of you, yeah? We're going to talk about prayer. Don't tune it out. It's going to be good today because the Lord is good. His word is good. Uh, We are continuing on in this series, but let me say, if you want to get further in depth about some of the things I'm going to talk about today that I'm not going to hit on very much even about fasting, go back to almost a year ago and look at our Pray Like Jesus series. And at the end of that series, we had a a sermon just on fasting. And we also will have on your way out, you might have seen on the way in, we have these guides, our prayer and fasting guides we've made for you. If you don't want to grab one, you want one digitally, we have them on our website. You can go to Next Steps and look 
under that tab and you'll find there prayer and fasting and you can download this or just look at it there and use that as a digital resource as well. We know some of you like it in your hands. Uh, our staff has worked to put this together and they've done a great job. I really appreciate the work of our staff to be able to do what we're meant to do as, as your ministers of the gospel in this faith family, which is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And the greatest of all works that we can do is the work of prayer. It seems like it's not a whole lot of work. And sometimes it feels like a lot of work, doesn't it? But it seems like it doesn't have much effect. But honestly, it's the greatest thing we can do is to intercede on behalf of others or to go to the Lord face to face and have conversation and be present with the God who wants to shape us and form us into the image of Christ so we can do what Jesus did when he was here. And so this is about being in God's presence today. So I want you to look with me and let's learn about how we should pray. I I do still believe that the best model for prayer is when the disciples ask Jesus, hey, how should we pray? And he says, pray then like this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and on. We're not going to cover that today. We covered that a year ago. Go back and listen to that series. But we are going to look at what it means when we pray and how we should approach prayer today out of Hebrews 4. Look with me in verse 14 through 16. We're going to really hunker down on verse 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Pray with me. Father, we need this grace and mercy. We need it so we might hear your word and we might understand it by your spirit working in us to illumine our understanding. We need your grace and mercy to shape us and form us as we sit in your presence, that you would shape us and form us to become more like Jesus. We need your grace and mercy to press in us what we need to do or think, believe, or or say differently in our lives so that we might walk in the way of Jesus. Lord, lead us this morning, guide us, shape us, help us to enjoy your presence, and we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Now, prayer, I think, is one of the most misunderstood practices of the faith. For most of us, prayer is something we do as we sit down to eat, and that's true, it is prayer when you pray, when you eat. Prayer is something we do right before we go to sleep or maybe when we're in the middle of a moment of need or a moment of suffering, a moment of hurt, a moment of wondering, a moment of distress. And those are truly times of prayer. But if we think that prayer is about a way to get something from God in a moment or that we can just give God kind of his little bit of saying over dinner, we have sorely misunderstood what prayer is really about. Prayer is about being in the presence of the one who loved us so much that he gave his only son so that we could be brought into his family. And it's about enjoying time with him. It's about having conversation with him, which means not just speaking, but listening to God. And so I want to take us back to this passage in Hebrews chapter 4 to help us to think about what we're doing before we step into prayer 
with God. I hope this changes this one thing for you ultimately, that it changes what you do before you pray, that it makes you think and reckon with what you're about to do before you actually do it when you step before the throne of God. Let's look at it one more time. I'm going to break down 14 and 15 briefly, and then we're going to hang up on verse 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. That means he's already done the deed. He's already accomplished the mission. He's passed through the heavens, going back to the right hand of the Father. He's already come here, become one of us, died for us on the cross after living the life we could not live, having been tempted in every way that we are tempted, yet without sin, that he has already done that. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, doing what he does there, which is interceding on our behalf, praying, talking with God on our behalf. So it says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. And our confession is exactly what I just said a minute ago. The good news about what Jesus has done in our place on the cross. That he defeated death, Satan, sin, hell, and then rose in victory so that we could be brought into the family of God. That's the good news. That's our confession. Let us hold fast our confession for, this is the reason we need to to do that, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's who our Savior is. Verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That or so that, here's the reason why, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Just in the very beginning of this, we need to take a step back to really recognize what we're doing when we pray. I want you to put your your finger here and turn to Revelation chapter 4 in your Bibles. That water is cold. Revelation chapter 4, I'm going to read the whole thing, because before we step into a moment of prayer, we need to recognize whose throne we're stepping before. When's the last time before you prayed, you stopped and took a moment to think about that you're stepping before the throne of the almighty God of the universe? What does it look like to do that? How overwhelming should it be to do that? I think we oftentimes, myself included, we oftentimes rush right in to requesting things from God. We're not even thinking about what's happening. It's time we recognize that we are drawing near to the throne of the Almighty God. Revelation 4. John is giving this revelation he's received from the Lord. He says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. He can't even tell you what he's seeing. He's describing it with jewels. But it's a person. And it's glorious in splendor. 
He says, around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. So you can just read that and think, wow, that's, that's crazy. But think for a moment what it would be to step into a throne room. Let's imagine this is it, and we're up close and personal. And the first thing you notice is blinding beauty that's dazzling to look at. And then you see lightning flash by you out from the throne. Lightning. I'm not talking about the stuff far off. I'm talking about the stuff that, that comes down in giant bolts in front of you, and it jumps you out of your skin because it surprises you because it's so frightening. And then the peals of thunder that clap right after that, that shake through your body. And you're being overwhelmed by the power and might of just being in the presence of God. The throne of the Almighty. The throne of the one so powerful, he speaks things into being. He sustains everything that is with just a thought. Peals of thunder rolling out from him. And 24 other thrones encircling him with people with white, beautiful white clothing on with crowns of gold. It says, and all around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. Did you pick up on that? These are creatures that look like a lion, like an eagle, like a man. These are creatures that look like an ox, and they have eyes all over them. It says, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. He says it again because it must be overwhelming to him. These things alone, if one just appeared here in our midst, we would probably be frightened beyond our understanding. These four creatures are around the throne, and he notices them after he notices the throne. Put that in perspective. And it says, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. They're just proclaiming it over and over again. To the nth degree, this one is completely other. To the nth degree, this one is like no one you've ever seen. To the nth degree, this one is unlike anyone who has ever been or ever will be. To the nth degree, this one is more beautiful, more righteous, more good, more holy, more morally pure, more always doing the right thing, more always making the right decision. Everything he does is just holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. 
That's what these creatures are saying continually. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will they existed and were created. So every time they say that over and over and over again, these, these 24 elders fall down and they cast their crown saying, we are not worthy to be crowned. This is yours. You are worthy. You alone are worthy. Over and over again, just worshiping the king. That's the throne before which we step when we pray. That's the God that we stand before every time we open our mouth to him. Remember that we step before that throne. It changes how we approach. It changes what we do. It changes how we see him and see ourselves. He's the king of kings. The sovereign of all creation. The sovereign over every circumstance. The almighty God. All holy, just, righteous, exacting punishment upon the wicked and upon them for their sins. And only those without sin can enter his presence. This is the God of the Bible, the God that we're talking about approaching his throne. He is the giver and sustainer of life and he's the one that takes it away. He alone, no one can take someone else's life without God allowing it to happen. That's how powerful he is. No one can give life to anyone else, even through birthing someone, unless God allows it. That's how powerful he is. And only those without sin can enter into his presence because he's pure and right and just and must punish wickedness, must punish rebellion. And he's the almighty God that we have sinned against over and over and over. And we are approaching his throne in prayer. Proverbs 9.10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let us be wise in recognizing the throne before which we stand when we petition the king of kings. Speechless. No right. No authority. No expectation. Let us make sure we approach that throne with its deserved fear and awe and reverence. That's the throne. Let us then approach or draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Hear that word? With confidence. We stand before him with confidence? No way. Not with the confidence in myself. Not with this sinner's confidence. Not with my worthiness. I am unworthy. That's why Isaiah looked and saw that throne and said, I am a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. Not worthy. But he tells us to draw near with confidence 
We draw near to the throne of God with confidence only because it's confidence in the one who enables us to draw near to the throne at all, Jesus. The one who's on the throne. The one who deserves all that praise and glory. We draw near because he has died for us. I have confidence not in myself, but confidence in him. But oh so quickly I rush to the throne and petition for things I think are right and good without recognizing what I'm doing and what's been done for me to be able to approach the throne. Let us not draw near with confidence in self, brothers and sisters. Let us draw near to the throne with confidence in our Savior. Boldness, your Bibles might say. Let us not approach the throne with flippant boldness but recognizing we can approach it with the boldness of Jesus' boldness of coming to become one of us and dying in our place on the cross so that we could be made his brothers and sisters. So that we could approach our Father and call him Abba, Father, Daddy. With that kind of confidence, confidence of Christ. The only one who truly deserves that kind of approach. Hebrews ten sixteen. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Jesus fulfilled it. He accomplished it. His blood is enough sufficient. He says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. See, there's the assurance. It's faith in Christ with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. As Paul says in Ephesians 3.11, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. You see? Let us then with confidence in Jesus... Boldness in Jesus draw near to the throne of the Almighty. Apart from Christ, we have no confidence to draw near to the throne. But in Christ Jesus, we have full confidence, brothers and sisters. Full confidence to draw near to the throne of grace for every one of our needs. Thank you, Father. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for making the way possible. Lord, thank you for covering us with the blood of your Son, washing away our sins. Thank you for our brother, our sacrifice, our Redeemer, our Savior. Let us not stop there in our worship. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That word grace, you might have forgotten. I forget so easily what that word means. Grace is God's goodness toward those who only deserve punishment. When my child does something wrong, instead of punishing them, I speak to them and I forgive them and I give them another opportunity. That's called grace. 
when our Father does not wipe us out of existence or cast us into hell immediately upon sinning, that is called grace. Grace is God's goodness toward those who only deserve punishment. That's the throne we approach. Hebrews 3, 6, But Christ is faithful over God's house as his son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope, who is Jesus, you see? If our hope is in Jesus... If our confidence is in Jesus, we hold fast to the good news of Jesus, to our confession of Jesus, then we know we have a faithful brother, Savior, who is interceding on our behalf and has made the way possible, and in our full confidence in him, we can approach the throne of grace, God's goodness toward us who deserve punishment, instead receive goodness from God, because Jesus received our punishment for us. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that, that, this is why, this is the reason, so that, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So brothers and sisters, when you go to pray, let us do that so that we may find grace and mercy to help in our time of need. This is why we approach the throne. We don't demand anything of this God. We don't expect anything from this God because we deserve it or he owes us. We come hoping to receive and having been promised we will receive mercy and grace because of our confidence in Jesus. Grace, again, God's goodness toward those who only deserve punishment. Mercy is God's goodness toward those in misery and distress. It's different. Mercy is God's goodness toward those in misery or distress. So when are we in need of this grace and mercy? Listen, if Jesus is not yet your Savior today, you are in need of this mercy and grace. Because one day you will step before that throne. One day you will stand before that throne and you will stand before him and you will bow the knee. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. As I heard another brother say it just two days ago, you either do it now willfully in repentance and belief in Jesus or you will do it then under judgment, but you will bow the knee. Everyone will bow the knee. Everyone will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Today is the day for you, if you're hearing this, that God has brought you to a place or linked you into a place where you can hear this good news about Jesus so that you can approach the throne of God with boldness, with, with glorious kindness afforded to you because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Today is a day of repentance and belief in Jesus. Now is the day that you need this mercy and grace. Do not go one more moment without turning to the one who came to save your soul, to bring you to be with him forever. Today is a day, Hebrews 7, 25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Or 1 John 2, 1 and 2, 
my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation. In other words, he's the satisfaction. He's the payment for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That means if you do not know Jesus yet, you can know him today and your sins are covered. Jesus' blood is sufficient to wipe away your sin debt. Jesus' blood is sufficient to give you boldness to approach the throne. Do not tarry. Do not wait. Approach the throne now with boldness in Christ Jesus and through Him draw near to God because He makes intercession for you today. He draws you in today. You think, what about the rest of us, right? You know, if you're struggling through difficult times, you're in need of that grace and mercy right now. Many of us have been and are and God has provided for all our needs in Jesus. You think, how's he provided all my needs in Jesus? I'm still hurting. I'm still ailing. I'm still suffering. I'm still lonely. I'm still depressed. I'm still sick. I'm still afraid. If you're suffering, or if you're sick right now, Jesus suffered for our sins so that on the cross, when he suffered the infinite wrath of God, in our place. He did that so that when we suffer in this world, it will become like a light and momentary affliction that is preparing for us the eternal weight of glory that is beyond comparison. That one day we'll recognize it was a blink of an eye compared to the weight of the glory of being in His grace and mercy forevermore. Fear of death We have nothing to fear. Death has lost its sting. Jesus tasted of death for us. Hebrews 2.9, But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. You never will taste of death if you are in Christ. You say, what do people die all the time that are Christians? No, that's what it seems like to you. He tasted death for you so you don't have to taste Come and taste and see that the Lord is good because when you die, you breathe out your last in this temporary location and then all of a sudden you open your eyes and take your next breath in the presence of the Almighty, rejoicing forever where there is no more weeping, there is no more mourning and He wipes away every tear and He will be our God and we will be His children and He will be with us forever. And we will not be cold anymore because the warmth of God will warm us daily. We will not be fearful of the dark anymore because the light of God will be our light always we will not be alone anymore be surrounded by the glory of God and full of grace and truth and full of joy and comfort and we get a taste of that now but in the fullness when we go to be with him glory to the king who purchased that for us on the cross this is the good news that we have in Jesus so let's pray then for his grace and mercy with confidence now because we know his son Jesus has afforded it for us let us trust that he always has done what he promised he would do and we can believe in him even now loneliness forget the loneliness he sent the comforter to live within you you're never alone ever again and when you go to be with him you'll be surrounded not just with friends and family but with God himself enjoying him to the fullness always how you were meant to be from the very beginning sorrow Jesus tells us in John 16 so also you have sorrow now but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you never again Never so many hurting now, 
somebody suffering now, that we pray for now. But one day when Jesus comes back, no one will take that joy away from us again. Never again will we have sorrow or suffering. And what a day of glory that will be. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. But if you wait, let us approach your throne with boldness because of confidence in you. Let us pray for that grace and mercy and that confidence in Jesus. Some of us, though, we think, but when am I in need of this grace? I don't have those things going on right now. Things are going well for me right now. I've already come through some of that. or I don't anticipate anything now. I'm saying to you, are you breathing right this minute? Then you need every breath given to you by the God who sustains your life to keep on giving. We are in need right now. Are you living without sin? Are you doing everything you do to the glory of God every moment of every day? Because if not, you're falling short of the glory of God and you need grace and mercy to not be destroyed instantaneously under the full wrath of God. We need Jesus just as much right now as the first time we met him and we'll always need him that much to sustain us. We have great need for him right now. So brothers and sisters, let me point you to four ways I want you to endeavor in your prayer life this week and forever honestly. Four simple steps. Don't worry about taking this down. You can ask me for the notes. Text me, call me, write the office. We will give you these notes. So then when you pray, pray like this as you approach the throne and when you're in his presence, pray then like this. Pray when you wake in the morning and when you go to sleep at night. Pray. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Just start there. If you don't do that, start there. Pray when you wake in the morning and pray when you lie down to sleep. Start, though, by listening to God. Start by remembering who you're approaching and then listen to God. Find a quiet place and tune out the rest of the world so that you can tune into the Spirit of God that lives within you. You may think, I've got a bunch of kids. I know it's hard. I don't see how my wife ever gets a moment to pray. God can give you those moments. It may be a moment in the shower. It may be an hour before you go to work. Maybe you get up earlier. Maybe you go to bed later. Jesus did this continually, staying up through the night, getting up early. Let us be like Jesus. Listen to God speak through his word. Start off by opening the word of God. He's already spoken. Let us listen and then know how to pray. Let him wash over us with the water of the word. Let us make sure we make the time to listen even more than we make the time to speak. We're going to talk a little more about that later on in one of our practices, silence and solitude. I know it sounds kind of kumbaya-ish. It's not. It is good. And then pray then like Jesus. You want a model for prayer. We're not going to talk about today, but go read Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13 and just pray like Jesus prayed and take each one of those little phrases and blow it out bigger. Go back and listen to our series a year ago. Secondly, when you wake and lie down, do that. Secondly, when you eat and when you drink or even when you don't do those things, pray. In other words, when you're fasting or when you eat or drink. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, Paul tells us by the leading of the Holy Spirit, pray without ceasing. Always pray. Try that one day this week and just try to go the whole day praying. I don't mean sitting in a corner, closing your eyes on your knees. I mean conversing with God, speaking to, listening to God. 
the whole day. Pray without ceasing. Make it a habit to thank God and to praise him for everything he gives you, including the things you don't necessarily like in the moment. Thank you, Lord, for the cold, for it makes me focused. Thank you, Lord, for the struggle, because it makes me depend on you. I don't feel it now, but I know it will make it sweeter in relationship with you. And then practice the discipline of fasting. Go without food, and when you're not eating and you're hungry, your stomach will remind you, pray, and thank the Lord for reminding you to be in his presence awake and not just walking in sleep. We've got a great little guide about how to fast. Practice the discipline of fasting in order to remain in tune with him. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Fasting is a part of denying self to recognize that you and I don't live by bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the Lord. You know, in the long run, we don't need bread to live. We need God more than that because he sustains everything we are. Our atoms remain together because he holds us together. Let us go without a little bit so we can remember our dependence upon him, and be with him. So whether we eat or drink, and even if we don't, if we, when we go to bed, when we get up, and thirdly, before we make any decision, let us go before the Lord. Don't go first to the pro and con list. Don't go first to talk to your spouse. Don't go first to talk to your best friend or to your boss. First go to the Lord and ask for his guidance. He may make it a lot shorter of a journey. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. I say it in the Thomas Version often to myself, that I make up my own path, but the Lord puts one foot in front of the other. It's a lot easier if we just ask him where he wants us to go instead of getting jerked around a lot, isn't it? So whether we rise or go to bed, eat or drink, or fasting even, and we're making decisions, but how about this one? Just invite God into your conversations that you're having throughout the day. He's with you in your presence all the time, if you're his. Seek his guidance in those conversations. Lord, what do you want me to say right now? Lord, stop me from saying something I shouldn't. Man, do I need to use that one a lot more, right? How about don't tell someone you'll pray for them. I'm guilty of this often. But actually stop right then and pray for them. You're 100% more likely to pray for somebody right then. I made that statistic up like most statistics are made up. You're 100% more likely to pray for somebody if you stop right then and pray for them. And if you say, I'll pray for you later. Just stop and pray. It doesn't have to be where you hold hands and close eyes and look at the floor. You can literally look somebody in the eye and pray for them. When I pray, I have to pray with my eyes open around the table at home. You never know what's going to happen. The Lord hears that prayer. There's nowhere in the Bible that says close your eyes and you have to bow your head to pray. Jesus looks up a lot when he prays. Eyes open. Father, I'm glad you've heard me. I know you always hear me, but I say this on the count of the others that are around right now, looking up when he prays. The one that Jesus says prayed rightly, he won't even look at the Father, though. He's beating his chest, right? There's no right, wrong way to pray in the way you lift your eyes or don't. But stop and pray right then. And how about this? How about we speak highly of Jesus before others, for he speaks highly of us before his Father? You know, I used to get really embarrassed being around my dad. If you know my dad, you might know why. My dad can be embarrassing. 
he's very awkward. He jumps from the physical to the metaphysical very fast. In other words, he gets to Jesus in really awkward moments. Okay, but at least he got to Jesus, right? But sometimes it's going to be awkward. But God is with you all the time, and if we don't talk about him ever with anybody we're around, then we're denying him by omission. And his word is really strong. He says in Matthew 10, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. You may think, well, I've never denied Jesus in the presence of others. Really? I have. Not by saying I don't believe in Jesus, but by not talking about him at all. You know, if I'm around competing things in my life and I don't speak of my wife, she would consider that a sin of omission. You ever been around some friends and everybody's ignoring you and you're not a part of it and you're the new one in town in a sense, right? You ever felt that way, how that feels? It's not good. It's not healthy. And let us speak highly of the one who speaks highly of us before his father, our advocate before the father. Whether we go to bed, rise up, when we eat or drink, when we fast, when we're making decisions, when we're spending time with other people, let us continue in prayer, praying ceaselessly. Because we have this high priest who paid our debt for us. And it says in here in Hebrews 4, Since then we have a high priest, a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence, Jesus' is confidence, right? Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us draw near the throne. Father, thank you for speaking to us through your word. Thank you for convicting me of my sin. Thank you, Father, for showing us your beauty, at least in a taste. Thank you, God, for letting us be in your presence. Thank you, Father, for calling us your sons and daughters, forgiving us our sins. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Please help us. We are in much need. We need your grace. We know we walk in it. We need your grace. We need your mercy. Lord, show us. Turn our hearts to Jesus. We might have confidence before you even more. That he might receive glory. That you might receive praise and honor. For you are worthy, Lord. Because you are holy, 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 worthy. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helps you to be more like Jesus as Twelfth Street seeks to make apprentices of Jesus by being a family for families.